Mr. Baudouin, we are most grateful for your attendance here today and eagerly await your remarks regarding building for the future, manufacturing excellence in Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, our speaker's topic is certainly a pressing, relevant one. Canada's Manufacturing Centre, the heart of which is located here in Ontario, has been much in the news as of late. Canada had an enviable record of job creation in March and April, with a significant number of jobs created in manufacturing, many of those here in Ontario. We are home to some of the leading global brands and many of our nation's best places to work. That said, the manufacturing sector has not been without challenges. Among them, global recessionary forces, price competition from emerging economies, and issues with productivity. We are familiar with the argument that the strength of the loonie, whether as a result of our natural resource sector or simply Canada's strong international financial position, has made our exported manufactured goods less competitive. Today's speaker is uniquely qualified to discuss the confluence of these global and domestic economic issues and lead the discussion on the path to manufacturing excellence in Ontario. Pierre Baudouin is the President and CEO of Bombardier Inc., the world's largest supplier of rail equipment and, and services and the third largest manufacturer of non-military aircraft. Mr. Baudouin has been with Bombardier since 1985, first with its recreational products division, then, when it's, then with its aircraft manufacturing arm. He assumed leadership roles and ever-increasing responsibilities until, in 2008, he became President and Chief Executive Officer of Bombardier, Inc. Mr. Baudouin has spent all of his life, uh, adult life as a change agent and leader in Canada's manufacturing sector. It is an honour to have him here with us today. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the Canadian Club podium Mr. Pierre Baudouin. Evolution. At its core, it's taking one step forward. And then another. Like leaving your car behind and stepping on board a train. Or a plane. It's a small step, but it matters. Because evolution is not about grandiose dreams that never see the light of day. It's about moving ahead with a clear understanding of the needs of tomorrow. It's about actually taking that one single step forward. Step by step, mile by mile, city by city, country by country.
evolution of mobility is about creating better ways to move the world. Transforming how millions of people get around every day by train and by plane. It's about taking the lead and delivering. Mobilizing the future in more than 60 countries. Investing in communities around the globe to break new ground. After all, the evolution of mobility is all about what's next. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm truly honored to be here today and have the opportunity to share my thought from a podium that has hosted so many distinguished speakers over the years. One of the most hotly debated uh, topic across the country is whether or not Ontario's manufacturing, manufacturing sector has a future. Why is this debate so heated? because manufacturing has long been Ontario's economic engine, and as Ontario manufacturing goes, so has the rest of Canada. Even with growth in the energy sectors out west, the importance of manufacturing to the provincial and federal economies cannot be overstated. Many argue that manufacturing in Ontario is doomed to die of a slow death. I beg to differ. Manufacturing demise in the province is neither inevitable or irre irreversible, and I will tell you why in a few moments. One fact that is inarguable is that the province manufacturing base has been seriously eroded. The culprit, a strong Canadian dollar, uneven demand south of the border, and low-cost labor in emerging markets have certainly taken their tolls. Ontario now sits below the Canadian average for output and income per capita, with both the Drummond Report and the Conference Board of Canada putting the province's long-term economic growth at 1.9%, well below historic, historic norms. Yes, the outlook is bleak, but as I've seen firsthand at Bombardier, outlook can change and quite rapidly and dramatically. The truth is, Ontario's current manufacturing crisis is really an innovation and productivity crisis. Innovation fuels productivity, which in turn creates a thriving manufacturing sector. There is no getting around this virtuous circle, which is why it is the subject of the recent reports, such as the Council of Canadian Academies report and the Jenkins report, as well as the two reports I just mentioned. The Jenkins report decries the Canadian private sector lackluster performance in innovation compared to that of other OECD countries. And yet the manufacturing center, which represents only 14% of the GDP, contributes to nearly 60% of all the R&D investment by Canadian businesses. Manufacturing is the single most powerful drivers of innovation in our country. I can tell you that at Bombardier, we are doing our part. 
In fact, our significant R&D sp spending very often is what keeps me up at night. It is a universal truth. In today's competitive global marketplace, success in the private sector goes to those who remain on the cutting edge. Bombardier's president in Ontario was also born out of a crisis in manufacturing center, not unlike the one we are living today. In 1992, we acquired the Avalon and the Urban Transportation Development Corporation, or UTDC, at a time when the, the province rail and aerospace sectors were faltering. Because we believe in these sectors' fundamental strength, we invested in facilities, established partnership, and worked together to create new jobs and capacity in Ontario. Today, I am proud of the fact that Bombardier employs more than 6,000 people at five facilities across the province and generates more than 650 million worth of business for some 300 Ontario-based suppliers. Our aerospace operation alone generate 2.7 billion in economic output for Ontario's economy on an annual basis. I am also proud of to be celebrating 20 years of delivering world-class rail and aerospace product made in Ontario's to customers here and around the world. Highly skilled employees at our facilities in Thunder Bay, Kingston, North Bay, Downsview, and Mississauga design, build, and help maintain innovative products, the majority of which are exported worldwide. This includes the Q400 Next Generation Turboprop, the global family of business jet, and our state-of-the-art Innovia monorail chosen by cities more than 10,000 kilometers away. At Bombardier, we continue to believe that manufacturing in Ontario makes sound business sense and that it has a bright future. The province's fundamental strengths create an excellent jurisdiction for innovation, capital-intensive manufacturing. These strengths include a very skilled and adaptive workforce, a top-notch research infrastructure, and a supportive policy environment. These are the reasons that brought us to Ontario and have kept us here. But in this day and age, no company, university, or government can afford to rest on its laurels. I firmly believe that we can breed new and sustainable life into Ontario's manufacturing center, but it will require a willingness shared by many to do things differently. All progress is rooted in the spirit of change, the mindset to challenge the established, to look for better solutions, and to strive for faster, smarter, and more efficient ways of doing things. This spirit accepts, and accepts uh, risk and perhaps even failure because the rewards are both significant and compelling. At Bombardier, we have invested in creating better ways to move the world since 1942 when my grandfather invented a track vehicle to transport villagers across Quebec's snowbound rural roads. This innovation ultimately led to the Skidoo snowmobile and to the Skidoo watercraft, launching two new recreational sports in the process. As you heard from Nicholas Chambers' opening comments, 
We hold leadership position in two industries worldwide, rail transportation and aerospace. This leadership requires constant renewal and depends largely on our ability to innovate continuously. It explains how, since 1989, we have generated 30 new aircraft programs that have created, led, and revitalized entire categories. It also accounts for rail vehicles that are increasingly sophisticated, aerodynamic, and energy efficient. Our Downsview, Kingston, and Thunder Bay facilities all played a key role in this innovation. At Bombardier, innovation drives the evolution of mobility, which is the global promise we make to all of our stakeholders. Across our organization, we have developed an innovation reflex. This means that we are constantly asking ourselves, what's next? In fact, investing in a leading mobility solution is one of our key growth strategy. Amongst numerous advancements, it has given us industry-leading portfolio of products called Eco4, energy-saving technology for rail. These breakthrough technology drive down the environmental footprint of mass transit products. One example is a product we call Primov. It promises to reshape transportation by providing wireless and contactless emission-free mobility for all electric rail, and road vehicle, including cars, buses, and trams. In aerospace, our investment in leading mobility solutions are behind the six new aircraft program scheduled to enter into service between 2012 and 2017, including two of them that will be built right here in Toronto. And it is not just management in Bombardier asking what's next. We also ask all of our stakeholders. Through our recently launched Green Fund, we solicit, it, we solicit and implement the best employee ideas for improving our site's energy efficiency. Asking ourselves what's next also inspired us to launch the rail industry's first open innovation community, community called URail. This online design competition invites the general public to imagine and share their ideas for rail car interior of the future. The global competition was so successful that we recently launched Bombardier U-City, which invites innovators to share their vision of the future of urban mobility in both developed and emerging city. In my opinion, Ontario has no choice but to sharpen its innovation reflex to improve productivity and to keep, to keep higher value job at home. Let's ask ourselves, what's next for Ontario's manufacturing sector? I have given this question quite a bit of thought and I would like to highlight five imperatives that I believe require urgent attention for all stakeholders in Ontario. The first imperative for saving Ontario's manufacturing centre is a need to forge unbeatable public-private partnership. If we pool our expertise and resource and work together to achieve common goal, nothing will stand in our way. Such partnership have the power to span leading-edge manufacturing process, 
innovate, collaborative research, and effective public policy. A good example of this collaborative partnership is the Canadian Green Aviation Research and Development Network, or GARDEN. We are proud partner of this transformative aerospace initiative. GARDEN brings together the industry, the university, and governments to invest in and promote aerospace technology that protect the environment. And GARDEN is producing very tangible results. On April 17 of this year, Porter Airline flew a Bombardier Q400 turboprop from Toronto City Airport to Ottawa using a 50-50 blend of biofuel and jet A fuel. This successful two-year research program culminated in the first biofuel-powered revenue flight in Canada. Such are the benefit of focused collaboration and a forward-looking policies that, fo that foster it. The second imperative for saving Ontario's manufacturing center is to improve its track record in strategic procurement. To have credibility and clout in the global marketplace, a company needs to be su successful in its own backyard. Ontario has figured prominently in our success at Bombardier. This includes innovative projects such as the Toronto GO train, which is the commuter car platform now used by 14 customers in North America. It also includes the Toronto Rocket Subway that began service last year, as well as Porter Airline, which is a fantastic showcase for the Q400 capability. These success bolster our reputation at home and abroad. The strategic infrastructure investment that made them possible in turn strengthened Ontario. The provincial government recently committed in investing $35 billion in public infrastructure and mass transit. Let's use this tremendous opportunity to develop policies, programs, and partnerships that encourage us to take calculated risks that will prop up innovation and move Ontario and its manufacturing sector up the value chain. A third area requiring a shift in thinking is the need to embrace global value chain. Today we are no longer competing against global company, but rather against entire global value chain. This is a new world order and it represents an opportunity, not a threat. A conference board of Canada report stated, and I quote, Canadians need to come to grip with the rise of global value chain and what it means for the future. Failure to understand the central importance of this phenomena not only means missed opportunities, it also risks basing trade strategies and policies on outmoded assumption of what modern tra trade is all about." End of quote. Two major competitive strengths of Bombardier like I said before, is our commitment to innovation, but also our ability to localize activities. Two decades ago, we became the first manufacturer to forge risk-sharing partnership with established aerospace suppliers from around the globe. When we launched the Global Express development program in the early 90s, 
It came with a billion dollar price tag. At that time, we enlisted Japan's Mitsubishi as our main external partner responsible for designing and manufacturing the jet's wing and center fuselage. Initially born out of necessity, this new risk-sharing model proved to be a significant competitive advantage. It allowed us to reduce our technical risk and share the cost of developing a new aircraft program. It also gave us access to a broader, broader technical expertise and supplier resource pool, as well as spread out the program management across a wider supplier base. Today, our C-Series commercial aircraft, for the C-Series commercial aircraft, the fuselage is produced in China, the wing in Belfast, the cockpit and final assembly in Montreal, along with components from Ontario. For the global 5,000 and 6,000 aircraft, Toronto endows the final assembly, Belfast, the Ford fuselage, and horizontal stabilizer, Montreal, the interior completion, and Mexico, the aft fuselage. And as you heard before in the introductory remark, Downsview will take care of the final assembly of our new global 7,000 and 8,000 business jet. With our Innovia monorail, the design and engineering happens in Kingston for projects in Brazil and Saudi Arabia. This collaboration creates additional opportunity for local supplier to connect with our global value chain. In short, developing a global value chain is by no means a zero-sum game. It's all about sharpening a competitive edge and expanding markets on a global stage. A fourth imperative is the need to address the province skill gap. Ontario's aging workforce requires our immediate attention. At our Downview facility, 30% of our workforce will reach retirement age over the next five years. We are currently partnering with nearby Centennial College to train the next generation of aerospace worker. This benchmark collaboration between industry and academia will create specialized and skilled labor force equipped with the knowledge to innovate and improve manufacturing process, as well as keep Ontario competitive. Collectively, I believe that we have work to do in terms of making our young aware that a university degree is not the only option available to them, and that graduating from a technical vocational training school at one of, of Ontario's excellent college can be the starting point of a very successful career. We all have a role to play in making these fields more attractive, developing policies and programs that support assembly line apprenticeship may well be part of the solution. And finally, the fifth imperative calls for us to take a serious look at the benefit of sectorial approach to manufacturing. As a province, the road to success does not lie in being a jack of all trade. Some sectors offer distinct and compelling competitive advantage that the province would be foolish to ignore. For example, Canada's aerospace, space and rail transportation sectors are innovative, 
globally competitive and poised for growth, especially in emerging markets. In rail transportation, our Kingston facility provides 300 high-value jobs. It is an integral part of, in, of an innovation ecosystem that includes Queen's University. Due to this vibrant ecosystem, we chose Kingston as our global center of expertise for monorails, and today this facility is working on innovative contracts around the world. But nothing is a given in the global marketplace, and success cannot be sustained by relying on status quo. Competitors are moving rapidly. Both in the UK and the US, the, the, we are talking about a manufacturing renaissance, and the government and educational institution and labor are teaming up to make this happen. A good example of this teamwork here in Ontario is the pro province potential aerospace cluster. At Bombardier, we spearheaded successful aerospace clusters in, in Quebec and Mexico. Clusters drive innovation, improve productivity, and can, can help us climb up the value change. This is why we welcome the Canadian government's current review of the aerospace sector. This sector already ranks fifth in the world with annual revenue of 22 billion. We would do well to protect its 80,000 jobs, including 22,000 22, in Ontario, and build on its valuable assets in Canada. The manufacturing innovation productivity challenge falls squarely onto our shoulders. If we decide to let Ontario's manufacturing center tank, innovation and product, productivity in Canada will go down with it. That is why we need to truly understand and embrace the world that we are operating in today and take bold, ingenious steps to shrewdly exploit certain niche. Globalization can generate high-value jobs, drive high, higher standard of living, but it also fuels a race worldwide with both developed and emerging countries competing to attract investment, accelerate innovation, as well as entice and develop the most skilled talents. Competing globally is not for the faint of art. At the same time, competing globally is not a question of choice for businesses or policymakers. It's a matter of necessity to achieve prosperity. In the end, it is true that global company will operate where they can maximize their return on investment. However, Ontario has created, and I am confident, will continue to create an environment where companies like Bombardier and its partners can innovate, contribute, and thrive. We are committed to the future of Ontario's manufacturing center, as we have been for the last 20 years. Together, we have successfully, successfully weathered challenging time and restored prosperity to this sector in the past, and I am confident that we can do it again. Thank you. much, Mr. Bedouin. Uh, we're going to take uh, questions from the audience. So we have 
One microphone. So if you uh, would like to ask a question, please just raise your hand, and uh, you'll have your opportunity. Pierre, you talked, great remarks. Uh, you spoke about the importance of 3P partnerships to Canada. And it seems that our Canadian pension funds are building infrastructure everywhere in the world. What can and should they be doing to be building the infrastructure here in Canada? Well, I think there's many projects that uh, they're looking at, and uh, I think we have to create the right environment. Uh, very often when we do public-private partnership, uh, sometimes uh, all the risks, want the, 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 the public partner wants to pass all the risks to the private sector. And in the end, I think it needs to be a balance. And, and today, some of the projects have been very successful in Canada in terms of infrastructure. But as we look at more projects, the risk and reward need to be balanced. And I think, unfortunately, when we first look at PPP, very often it's seen as a way to unload risk. I don't think that's the, uh, the main purpose. The main purpose is to make all entities work in, 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 in sharing the risk and making the project more effective. But I think uh, they're working on major projects at this point. Uh, Mr. Baudouin, you said uh, you got sleepless nights when you thought about your R&D expenditures, and uh, I think we can all understand that. But uh, 20 years ago, while Ontario and Canada were in a recession, the entire world wasn't in a recession. And now when you see what's going on, particularly in Europe, but also in the United States, and even now reports that China is scaling back. Can you afford to continue to make the kind of expenditures in R&D and development that you're doing, uh, even when you think of your experience with the C-Series, which is having more difficulty, not, and you're not the only people, but more difficulty finding customers because airlines aren't buying and they're not buying because the world economy is slowing down. So with a world economy like we have now, is it prudent to be making the kind of investment that you're talking about? Yeah, we're investing heavily, and I, I, I want to correct you on this. The C-Series is doing very well. <clears throat> uh, we, have, we, have, we have 138 firm orders for the C-Series. We've yet to fly. We're going to deliver the, the first flight at the end of the year, and we're going to deliver the first aircraft by the end of 2013. So it's just the right level of orders that we want. We can always take more, but a good level of orders to be in production for the first two and a half years. And of course, there's a lot of options and there'll more to come uh, as we prove the performance of the aircraft, which we will be making for the next 20 years. And I think that leads to your question is, sometimes when we look at uh, uh, economic cycles, uh, we, we, we are, we're focused on the short term. What we do at Bombardier is make products for the long term. And we believe that uh, cities will continue to grow across the world. So that's great for infrastructure. Uh, cities need to look at how they move people within the cities. And I think in Toronto, it's a good example. There's a lot of work still to be done. There's a vision to do that. There's a program to do that. But at the same time, you look how much money is wasted on, on waiting uh, in traffic, whether it's here or else place in the world. I think uh, uh, in infrastructure in investment will continue. And then as you get more and major cities, it is also true that people want to move between cities and want to travel globally. And that's what we do at Bombardier. We make products to connect the cities with the airplane or high-speed train. So when I think of our investment, I don't focus on the short term, but I focus on the long term. And long term infrastructure investment 
and traveling globally, I think, is going to continue, continue to grow. Excellent. I think that's it for questions. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank Mr. you very Baldwin. much. I'd like to welcome Susan MacArthur, Vice President of the Canadian Club of Toronto. Pierre, uh, on behalf of the Canadian Club, I'd like to thank you for your thoughtful and timely remarks. Indeed, there has recently been a lot of debate recently about this so-called Dutch disease and its relevance to Canada. Clearly, Bombardier's strength as a global leader in transportation and aerospace underscores the importance of balancing both manufacturing and resources and how important both those sectors are to this country. So I'd like to keep that in mind. And Pierre, your bold vision has created uh, many, many jobs in this province and significant revenues for the government. So it's not easy to be building planes, trains uh, all over the world, and I'm sure you're never at home, uh, but we certainly appreciate it in this Canada, in this country, and we've done uh, really, you've made a great contribution to the country. So thank you very much, and bon appétit tout le monde. Thank you, Susan, and thanks again, Mr. Baudouin. Now, before we adjourn for lunch, uh, bear with me while I list a few upcoming events. On May 30th, in partnership with Toronto 2015, we are delighted to welcome John Amici, Officer of the Order of the British Empire. John is a psychologist and director for the London Organizing Committee for the Olympic Games Diversity Board. When he retired from, from professional basketball in 2007, he became the first NBA player to ever come out as a gay man. Mr. Amici will speak on the power of sport to change society. On June 5th, Metro Morning host Matt Galloway will moderate Diversity 2.0, a discussion with business, arts, and civic leaders on inclusion and why for Toronto to remain a leader, we need to look, sound, and think as broadly as the city we are today. Joining Matt on the panel will be Zabine Herji, Chief HR Officer, RBC, Cameron Bailey, Artistic Director, Toronto International Film Festival, Peter Slawley, Deputy Chief, Toronto Police Services, Fiona McFarlane, Chief Inclusive, Inclusiveness Officer with Ernst & Young. And on June 25th, I'm pleased to announce that we will be hosting the third annual Gilda's Awards, where we celebrate the achievements of individuals and organizations that have made outstanding contributions to the cancer support community. This year's honorees will include Ron James, renowned Canadian comedian, Andrea Martin, axis, uh, actress and comedian, and Tony Galliano, longtime supporter of Gilda's Club, co-founder of Luminato, and among other things, a former director of the Canadian Club of Toronto. To order tickets to these or any Canadian Club events, please visit our website at canadianclub.org. Don't forget that a podcast of today's event will be available in a couple of days on iTunes. 
Simply visit the event listing on our website to download it. And while you're online, I invite you to check out our Twitter feed. You can follow us at CDNCLUBTO, that's short for Canadian Club Toronto, for all the latest updates. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We, are, we continue to be grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their promotion of Canadian Club events. Now I'd like to ask Mr. Baudouin to draw a business card. The lucky winner will receive a bottle of premium Ontario Amarone styled wine from the Foreign Affair Winery pioneered and owned by Canadian Club member Len Crispino. Thank you very much. And from Ryerson University, Paul Walsh. Congratulations. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise as you are able and join me in a toast to Canada. To Canada. Enjoy your lunch.